Hi, this is Kenny. And this is Mark. And this is All I Want to Do is Talk About Madonna. This used to be my playground. When I hear it, I love it. Yeah. When I don't hear it, I'm kind of, I don't make fun of it, but it like, I don't love it. Or like, I'm always like, this used to be my playground. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a, I have a sentiment, like the song itself. I have a sentimental soft spot for this little tune. Yeah. Um, I remember going to the Eastwood Mall with uh, my um, romantic interest at the time in 19, <sighs> summer of 1992 on June 16th <gasps> uh, to buy the single. Yes. One side was the single version. The second side was the long version of the song. Yeah, which was long. Which was long. It was like six minutes long. Yeah. Um, and uh, being so excited that there was new Madonna music and then hearing the song and being like, huh. <laughs> yeah, it's a really, well, especially because here we go, like as far as singles go, it's like, justify my love, rescue me. This used to be my playground. <laughs> and, then, and then the next single after this is erotica. So it's like, what? This is, yeah. This yeah. is strange. Well, let, let's, let's, paint, let's paint the background. So in 1992, Madonna was at the apex of her uh, movie stardom. She um, had been in a big blockbuster in 1990 called Dick Tracy. She shot a small cameo role like every Hollywood elite actor had done in Shadows and Fog, a very minor Woody Allen movie where Kathy Kathy Bates and Jodie Foster play prostitutes and Mia Farrow wanders around the streets with John Malkovich. And um, then um, she is cast in Penny Marshall's popcorn movie of the summer of 1992, A League of Their Own. Probably in what I would arguably be, I think it's her best film. I think it's I think it's lasted the longest of every any For movie sure. she's ever done. For sure. Other than Desperately Seeking Susan, I think. And... Um, so, and, and she's third build in this film um, behind Oscar winner Gina Davis and Oscar, soon to be Oscar winner Tom Hanks. And it was a really interesting time for all of them in terms of where they were. Madonna was a big, a big as, as marketable, bankable movie star as she could ever was. Gina Davis had just won an Oscar and was a big star. And she was, this was before Thelma and Louise. So she was, she was at the height of her movie stardom. And Tom Hanks, ironically was, um, had, had kind of, uh, after big had been, it's kind of a little dip in his career. He had made Bonfire of the Vanities and another, and Joe versus the Volcano and was kind of, um, on the wane. And this was a character role that kind of brought him back up. And then within two years, he was making Philadelphia and Forrest Gump. So this was kind of the beginning of his resurgence. 
Um, and then there's Lori Petty, who mm-hmm. replaced Deborah Winger, who quit uh, League <laughs> of Their Own because she didn't approve of Madonna as stunt casting. Mm. Um playing the little sister and seeing that now I'm kind of like Deborah Winger was way too old to be playing. Yeah. Gina, Gina Davis's Davis little sister. sister. And um, um, Lori Petty was at a point in her career where she was kind of on, this was her first big leading, leading lady. Yeah. Role. She was sort of set up to be a big movie star. Tank girl was supposed to be a big hit and she was sort of on that yeah. road. And then it just sort of didn't happen. And derailed. And then Rosie O'Donnell, this was yes. Rosie O'Donnell's huge, first film uh, where she plays Madonna's best friend, um, and Dolores. In, in the film. Doris. And Doris. 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 <laughs> in the film and then in real life. And that and is one of my life. favorite stories about how they became friends and they bonded and over specifically over the deaths of their mothers at a young age, but how that, that friendship, which is still around, they're still friends, but was really vibrant in the nineties. And so yeah. this is like, and it, it's one of those ways that like, I hate to say this, that she sort of traded out Sandra as her comedian sidekick for Rosie, who is a kinder, softer, gentler, do you know what I mean? Version less edgy, less she's edgy, much, much yes. less edgy, and and nowhere is that more apparent than the Arsenio Hall appearance they did to promote A League of Their Own in the summer of 1990. Mm. Um, Madonna comes on being all nasty and mean, <laughs> and Rosie O'Donnell kind of is like rolls her eyes and takes the takes the piss. And she out calls of me her. two days before and says, "We're going to go to Spago's to Swifty Lazar's party." So, so I had nothing to wear. <laughs> I get out of the limo. Everyone's going, Madonna. Kathy Bates, is that Kathy Bates? <laughs> Who the hell is with Madonna? I think it's Delta Burke. Who the over here, Miss Burke? Who the hell's with her? <laughs> and then who did I have to I sat next to Walter Cronkite and um, Dennis Hopper. Mmm, nice evening. And then Madonna sat next to Joan Collins, talked to Joan the whole night, left me alone with Walter and Dennis. <laughs> did you or didn't you? Not? Think, yeah, but there was a theme at the table there was a reason that we were all sitting at the table what was that well because you and and uh me and joan collins all slept before Betty. Swifty Lazar, based on who you slept with. So. So. But then we're at the party, and what happens? Bette Midler walks over, who's my idol, right? Yeah. And so what did you do? What did you do? I sit like this. I go, don't say anything. Bette Midler's like this. Bette! Bette! This is my friend Rosie. She loves you. Bette! And Bette Midler goes, who are you? Rachel Donahue? Huey? <laughs> And I loved that. I love when she's like, uh, you know, calls herself Kathy Bates or she's a gothy Stevie Nicks. And (laughs) it's just magical. She's so funny and she's so relaxed. And and it it kind of hints at what's to come in Rosie O'Donnell's career as the talk show host she becomes later. And um, Madonna, you can tell, has got a little bit of attitude still. By the time she appears on Rosie's show, she's so chillaxed with her. And it's some of the best... Um, talk show appearances Madonna ever did were, was on Rosie's show. Absolutely. I can't really... wait to talk about those, especially as we get closer to the Ray of Light era. Well, yeah. Evita and Ray of Light era where she shows up a lot. 
But this movie, the, uh, A League of Their Own, is a huge um, uh, thing for Madonna because it showed that she could play uh, with other people, a lot of other women. It was probably the most women-centric film she ever made. And uh, and she's great in the movie. She has that fabulous dance sequence with um, Carmine from Laverne and Shirley, <laughs> yes. Eddie Mecca. And uh, it's just great. Um, this Used to Be My Playground, though, was not included on the fabulous uh, soundtrack to A League of Their own because of contractual disputes and instead appeared on the Barcelona gold uh, uh, compilation um, fundraising compilation. I would be so curious to know why, what the contractual, you know, issues were. My guess is, is that because it was not actually the official song for the movie Mm -hmm. that she wasn't given that credit because I think that credit was given to, Carol um, King. And, yeah, Carol King. Yeah. Um, um, and so maybe that's why it didn't end up on the album because she's like, well, if I'm not going to get the credit as the official song, then I'm not going to be on it. Well, and yet she was nominated for a Golden Globe for this song. Yes, she for, was. For best original song for a movie and uh, lost to an Aladdin song, A Whole New World. <laughs> well, right. Uh, hey, this goes back to, you know, um, just thinking like we're, if we're tracking her soundtrack songs, yeah, right? This is one of those. Again, like what's the last soundtrack song she did before this? Well, uh, besides um, I'm Breathless, which I don't count necessarily as a soundtrack no. song. The last ones were the Who's That Girl songs. Mm, yeah. So she, it's been a while. She said that this was sort of like um, assignment work for her. Yeah. I think I think what happened was was that they, they needed a song to play. They wanted a ballad. And they wanted something that was that could play over the uh, the closing credits of the film, right? Um, and, and and whatever. And and I do love this film a lot, but it, it is kind of a little. Penny Marshall um, was not allergic to sentiment, so there's um, a lot of sentimentality. So um, seeing the end of the film where all the the pe- the Rockford Peaches reunite and sing the song again, and it's very. Um, nostalgic and glossy and greatest generation. And I think knowing that it really informs what this song needed to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, totally. Jeff Pettibone and Madonna wrote it um, while they were working on erotica. Um and they did it kind of over two days. They did it really quickly. Shep Pettibone wrote it in uh, the melody in a night. And um, and then they kind of just recorded it and then came back later to add some strings and make it a little more lush and grandeur. And then out it was into the world the day before the film came out. What do you think of this song? What do you like about this song? What I like about it, I like, I really like when she harmonizes with herself. Mm -hmm. Um, I I like the isolation of the song in that way too, that it's really just her voice. There's no other... It's not like we have Nikki and Donna doing background vocals for this. Yeah. So I like that isolate, isolation feeling, which, of course, in a weird way, tips us towards erotica, which feels very isolating. This used to be my playground. Now it's I mean, I like a lot of the lyrics, actually, or I like the sentiment. And I really love, I just love the tenor of her voice, especially at the end where she really rises. I wish you were here. I wish you were standing here with me. And I feel like her vocals are really truthful 
they feel heartfelt. I love how mature it sounds, and I think that that was part of my kind of like, whoa, um, in 1992 when I heard it, uh, was this idea of like, oh, she she's old enough to be looking back with with nostalgia, regret, um, yearning for no the- regret. No regret. Um, and uh, and and kind of um, it's a very adult song. It feels very adult contemporary to me. Um, And how much of a whiplash it is from Rescue Me and the darkness of that song, the kind of gospel fervor of that song. And then in no way does it prepare us for what's to come. And I love that about this. You know, and she does this again in 1994 with I'll Remember. She does this kind of random soundtrack song that is for a very specific project that then in no way is an indication of it's not a sneak peek on what's to come. And um, I also just love um, how dense the song is. It feels like there are all these musicians in the room and it, and it, and it, there's a lushness to it that um, hints at things that are to come uh, and I love how it fits on something to remember the ballads compilation, which is real the only time it's been on an actual Madonna record. Yeah. Yeah. I like all of that about it too. I think you're right. I mean, I do love, I love the maturity of it. I think, I think it's a song I think about all the time when I go to a place that I haven't been in a long time, like, or uh, like mm-hmm. if I go home and I actually drive to my neighborhood that I grew up in. I'm like, this, yeah. it like literally plays in my head. This used to be, or like in the East village, you know, which was always where like, I felt like I had my, all of my growing up time. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, this used to be my playground. But um, I do think that the song suffers from perhaps like too many verses or there's, it's like, it feels like one too many times we go through the song. Does that make yeah. sense to you? Yeah, no, I, it, it does feel long to me. It always has felt long. I think um, it, it also, um, it takes its time Yeah, and it trusts that you're going to go along with it. And yet it never quite, there's a subtlety to it that makes sense now. But at the time I was like, this is just the same thing over and over and over and over <laughs> yeah. again. But yeah. yet now when I listen to it and I know it so well, I'm like, oh, there's the kind of, you know, crescendos. And the other thing to think about is like, you know, Natalie Cole and the unforgettable album was, was out around this time. Mm. And, and there's a lot of, of, um, you know, music happening in, in the early nineties, you know, this feels very Anita Baker. This feels very like slow and kind of Sade. It's, it's Madonna's version of kind of like a slow burning, song okay i don't think i can't compare this to a sade song um, it is but, like a sade song no. it's slow oh, and it doesn't sure. I can, know it, it's kind of trancy trancy in its own way well okay but no i don't i don't totally buy that but i um, hear you this was a hit this was a number one song number one number one it it dethroned baby got back by sir mix a lot which <laughs> Right away, like it, it may be, it may be one of those songs that's like a secret weapon because um, 
how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, that is so crazy. It was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe but, it's because we were young and we were like, we want to, we want to dance and we want to party. And this song was like, let's be nostalgic. I just think it, I think it became number one. Well, first I think because of the push of the movie, but because we were just also craving a Madonna song, Yeah, you know, and it had been like a year since we'd had, a, you know, anything really new, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And so we were just dying for anything and happy to have it. Um, and happy that there was a video, even if the video is strange. Well, it's a, an Alex Kashishin video. Um, and it, it, it's basically a, a series of page turns of a book, which yeah. uh, boy, George did a similar video in the late eighties that he always said was a big, uh, that this was a ripoff of, uh -huh. and, um, it's Madonna in different poses looking glory. I mean, she looks so fresh and it's very, um, it reminded me of the live to tell Madonna. Yes. Where I all of a sudden that. everything was scrubbed away and she was just kind of like yearning in a meadow and, yeah. um, There's and she just kind of sings to the camera in different angles and different views. And it's really beautiful. And then, um, as the book goes on, um, you see footage, really quick <laughs> shots from the movie. Right. Which, which, in, which makes no sense though. It's like, we're seeing, all, we're, so there's this sort of narrative of this one, and we don't know who's turning the book though. People always say it's a man, but when I looked at the video, it looks like it's Madonna in an oversized suit. Like it looks like a woman's hand is yeah. opening the book. Right. So, okay. We're looking at all these stories and it starts out like she's, she's going like her hometown, which is in the prairie. <laughs> Right. And then she like moves to the city, but there's a photograph of somebody she's remembering from the past at some point. We have these like, you know, there's only a couple of times where we go back in the book before the very end. And then um, and the setups are really gorgeous. And they're, they're, they seem to be like, I, I wonder if there are actual like famous photographs that some of them are referencing, which I presume they are like similar, Probably. you know, but I don't and know what they are. One of Madonna, the close-up of her face with the dots like yes. the, through, the, through the grating. That's beautiful. Gorgeous. I also love the one, this goes back to the multiple voices of Madonna, where we have the four pictures of Madonna and there's one where she's singing the lead and then the other three are the backup vocals. Um, Oh, I love that. Oh, so gorgeous. Yeah. We go back, we go back to that as she he pages because that's the yes. weird thing. So the, the 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 viewer is paging through this book and then it stops when it gets to the the footage from A League of Their Own <laughs> and it climaxes with Gina Davis reuniting with her husband in the film and right. they kiss and then he starts paging back like, "Oh, I right. saw what I needed to see and now we're going to go and then it goes backwards to the beginning of the book again at the end." Yeah, I love that going backwards too. I just don't actually understand why like what the league of their own, like in the narrative, it's not justified why it's there. No. It's like really just dropped in. Like it's like a requirement, you know, it was a fast, it was a fast shoot. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think it was one of those. Yeah. It was like her, who's that girl shoot. She's like, all right, I can do all these setups. Here we go. Yeah. Um, and she also to me, and this is something just for timeline to think about. She looks to me like she looks in body of evidence. She looks like Rebecca Carlson. So mm -hmm. I'm presuming like this was filmed right after she had done that film, you know, yeah. cause she looks, she hasn't, and it's still like, it's, it looks to me like, you know, she looks like she looks in the bad girl video or in yeah. you know, a lot of the stuff that's about to that come out. Freaking so. beret. That oh, beret. The beret. It's uh, the entrance berets. of the Madonna beret. Yeah. Oh, I love the beret. Um, um I, and I, the other thing I says, I love the cover of this, of the, the oh, yeah. single. 
I love the cover of this single, which is Madonna looking like she's like at the beach in her all the way May outfits, um, kind of being nostalgic. And um, I think she has a cigarette. She's holding a cigarette in her hand. Very, it's very brooding. It's very um, yearning. And, and she also looks very voluptuous in this weird way. She's wearing these high-waisted shorts. It's not, it's not, it's not the sex Madonna, certainly. Um, and you know, it, it, it's it's a it's a stylistic turn for her, which I think was really interesting. Um, and this song, you know, um, this song uh, was uh, created a kind of a, a, a chart competition with Whitney Houston. So yes. Whitney Houston had had the most number one singles, and this was Madonna's tenth. So it made her her the the reigning queen of number ones, and then only for like four or five months because Whitney Houston and the Bodyguard soundtrack are are about to emerge and descend on our American consciousness in yes. 1992, and um, I will always love you will begin its um, year of domination. Yes, I very, mean very I, soon, very soon. I I do think that. Kevin Costner made the right choice to go with Whitney yes. as opposed to Madonna because I, I don't know that I could have lived through Madonna's rendition of I'm Every Woman. Well, would she have done the I Will Always Love You cover? No, she would have done something else. I she would have written it. Done. She would oh, have written, God. she was no. going to write, I, this is my vision. I don't even, I have no backing up for this. This is just Kenny, like making his own narrative. In the East that, Village, imagining. <laughs> that if Madonna had been in the bodyguard, she would have made her a whole soundtrack for yeah. her character. That would have been, you know. I. But would she know, have after I'm Breathless? She's already yeah. done it. She would have done it again. Well, because listen, this is going to go to my thesis about erotica. Erotica is a character album too. So she's, she only is interested in playing character. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm remain unconvinced. I don't think Madonna would have done a a whole album again as her character from body. First of all, bodyguard um, was not as stylistically adventurous as Dick Tracy was Two, That character wasn't, very nuanced or inter- like you well know, this is because it because it was had different people involved but if yeah. madonna had been involved this is partly why kevin costner is probably like mm, i'm not sure he wanted it to be because bodyguard was a huge huge hit huge, it was huge hit. it has not aged well at all but it is a huge it was a huge huge hit because yes, of Whitney houston who yes. we love and and of him you know i happen to love kevin costner i have a soft spot for kevin costner really yeah i kind of think he's sexy my mother saw him once in an airport in and? The, uh, the mountain area. I think Montana or somewhere. He was he was at the airport. He lives out there. Yeah, and yeah. he was very quiet and very like subdued. And you know, my mom was very cool about it. Um, so and she never performed this song live. Nope. She, um, thank God. Uh, and um, it's you know, I, I like you. I I always think about it when I'm home. It's a home song to me because yeah. I was. I was sitting with my beloved um, at, at, in front of a fountain at the mall, opening the packaging, smelling the new Kasingle, and getting in our car and drive, like one of us, I think he drove, and um, playing it and then turning it over and playing it again and going, this is long, then turning it over and playing it again. Uh, and, yeah. you know, I love it. Yeah, I love, I love it. it too. I mean- I wish there is a moment that she can do this in her career, but it would be really intense. You know, like if she wanted to do it at her like final show. Mm. 
But no, maybe it doesn't really work. Maybe, maybe it should be a musical is. interlude with a video. Mm. <laughs> maybe we just need to hear this used to be my playground. And then that's it. Uh, <laughs> you don't like it? All right. Well, we're going to keep working on our ideas for the musical direction of Madonna's retirement tour. Um, <laughs> oh and we'll God. get back to everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Until next time. Bye. Bye.